Last week, I printed off 80 copies. I had over 20 left over, so I printed off 60 copies. Now, we had 93 people in here last week, but that meant a lot of husbands and wives just simply chose to share together, which is perfectly fine. Um, but if we run out, Sister Sherry is highly trained in the copier, and I have the master copy in her box, and she will, um, she will quickly go in there and make those copies. It'll only take a couple minutes, and it'll advance us. Uh, down the road just a little bit farther. You have, I'm so grateful that pr- the, the song that we sung there at the end, God working, uh, that was our prayer. We pray for God to work in our hearts. Come on, somebody, amen. Um, I do want to share with you one announcement that is related, or two announcements that is related to the study. Um, first of all, if you're new to the study, thank you so much for coming tonight. And for every person, I still have I have four books available. If you don't have a book and you like a book, slip your hand up, and uh, we'll we'll make sure that you you get one from there. All the way up there. I can't read that, but I can draw. That's all right. You can draw stick pictures. That's all right. Um, anybody else that I see right there? All right, somebody's got to take that one back them to them right there. Sarita just got it for me. You can take them right there. Um, secondly. Dr. Brassfield will be sharing the lesson next week. It's on communication and marriage. He's uh, highly trained, and I mean that very uh, sincerely. Um, he, has, he used to teach communication in college, so, so he's very excited. Uh, I talked to him today, this afternoon, about it a little bit. So you don't want to miss that. It'll be one of the highlights of uh, this series. But the following week is February the 14th, and that has no, other than a pagan holiday, has no impact on us, but we're going to follow suit with the pagan holiday. But nonetheless, <laughs> we're going to bring a catered dinner in the Family Life Center for every person that's a part of our study. We're going to feed your children on the north end as well. We'll feed the ISM students. Caleb will do something probably in the foyer with them. We're going to let the ISM students have the sanctuary. We will stay in the back on February the 14th. I'm not going to do a lesson like I originally uh, thought that I might would. We're going to do, we'll have some other things that will go along with it. But we're there. If you know anything about Sister Della and her decor team, they just have been just, just did such an amazing job. They've got a great vision for it. It's going to be a special night. Um, it is certainly for married couples and singles. It's for every person that's participating. Errol's Cafe is going to cater it for us. Um, so it's going to be a great night. So what I need from you, though, is I'm just going to pass it and let it go all the way around the room. But if you, if you plan on coming, something's on your calendar that you said, oh, I already had something planned for my wife or my husband that night. I'm not going to be there. Well, then that's why we don't want to order, you know, and pay for a, a, a lot more meals than people show up for because I don't want to take that much home. So, <laughs> so I know, I know. So you can just put, if it's husband and wife or single, make a list, make a list, and just... I'm just going to let this, sir. Wow, I'm flashy. That is the most, you know, like counter to my personality. I am not flashy at all. So, nonetheless, um, I'm going to let this pass through and just take it and pass it all the way around and let it, it can come back and arrive right back here at Sister Sherry. So, I'll start it with Robert, and if you're planning on coming, just put your name on there and send it on down the line. And um, that will help us in our preparation because I'm going to finalize that number 
Um, well, I may not finalize it next week, until next week, uh, but still, I need to at least give him a roundabout that we think we're going to feed X amount of people. Amen? All right, then. So let's begin to advance, if we can. Did everybody get a copy of a lesson that wanted one? Okay, so let's say we're going to do just a brief and slight review, which is going to be very quickly. It's the third week. Um, I want to just share with you a couple of things as we lead in, and we'll have prayer here in just a moment to open up. The one thing that a little bit disappoints me about our lesson, and I'm going to be very transparent, and I'm not going to give opportunity for this because it could take me in a different direction. Because we've had such an amazing turnout, and we are so grateful, and we're praying for every person. I mean that. When I say I'm praying for every person that's a part of this study, praying for your marriage, your, whether you're single or whether you're married, whatever it is, uh, I am authentically and genuinely taking it to God in prayer. Um, one of the things I do, I'm a little bit disappointed in is just the fact that I can't open the floor up for like comments or suggestions, because I do like to do that on Wednesday nights when I teach, but it would be too difficult and it could take me in a direction that I might never recover it from. So it's more of a lecture style, uh, you know, here tonight. It's been that way from the very beginning with Dr. Brassfield. I do want to encourage you. Made this statement next, last week. I'm going to do it again tonight. If, if you can, pull together in a couple of groups. What would be wrong with that? If you, some of y'all have developed some close friendships and some relationships together. What would be wrong with inviting another couple or whoever over and say, let, let's pull it back out. Let's talk about it and just kind of break it down a little bit farther than what we were able to do in this room. I think it would be beneficial to you if, you, if you're able to do that. Amen? All right, then. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord for his great help in here tonight. Father, I'm so humbled to be in this room. I say that, with Father, with uh, all sincerity of heart. I'm humbled. This group of men and women, their, their gifts and their callings are intimidating to me because I know how resourceful they are. I know the, the, how they carry themselves, Father, as couples and individuals. And Father, and, and yet here I am in an attempt, Father, to minister to them. Uh, I just, I need your help. Without the help of God, I cannot do it. I cannot say anything effective or effectual to their heart and mind that can aid them in any way unless the Holy Spirit is enabling me. And Father, yet in like manner, in like manner, the, your Spirit must prepare the heart, the heart of every person spouses that are represented, the singles, that their couples, God, that are thinking of marriage and pl planning marriage that are under the sound of my, room, uh, sound of, uh, of my voice in this room, uh, the singles that have suffered, uh, Father God, the loss of a spouse recently and yet are pondering remarriage at some point in time in the future, God. I, I'm just praying for every person that, that your spirit will work in their heart and help them as we as we endeavor to grow in our understanding tonight, Lord. So I love you, and I'm grateful. I just ask for your help here tonight. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, somebody, amen and amen. So all right, let me walk it down with you just a little bit. The notes, these are the notes, the same notes that you have or the notes that I have. I'll expound on some of it. Some of it will seem like I'm reading it. Some of it I actually will be reading it. And I just want to kind of set the stage where we're going tonight. You know, this is lesson three, it's, which is not does not correspond to the book, as most of you know. Um, it began with God's purpose for marriage and uh, that Dr. Brasfield shared and taught. Um, extending the book, we're not necessarily reviewing the book each week. Then I followed that up by taking the third lesson and moving it to the second lesson, as y'all know, as we looked at the husband's responsibilities last week. And now here we are with the wife's responsibilities. 
So just allow me to, I just love to set a foundation so we could kind of just know where we're all going just real quickly. So principles of faith, um, when I think about how to invest them in the lives of individuals to help in the context of marriage, the most ideal situation is, is when someone's younger and maybe premarital, that if, if principles of faith can be received and believed uh, earlier in life, come on, and uh, then it can sometimes avoid some of the conflict that arises in marriages that had very little foundation. And remember, we all learn from a lot of different ways, don't we? We learn by our own personal study, but we also learn sometimes inadvertently just by being in the culture of a home that's either a good, healthy home, but tragically, so many homes are not healthy, and such a pattern of brokenness just gets passed like a baton. We've talked, we talk a lot about passing the baton, but tragically, there's a lot of negativity, right, and broken behavior, correct, that gets passed, and people absorb it, and they don't even necessarily mean to. So that's, that's where it, we, it, it's the greatest, certainly, in the, in the youth, and we hope to see this, uh, you know, established in our church. Um, but the reality is, is this particular group of people that I'm speaking to tonight, we have many differing stages uh, of marriage. And so let me back up real quick as I'm establishing this foundation. So when I left you a blank, and there might be two words in that blank. It might not be just one word because I thought, I'm wasting my time by putting that in that space. I'm just going to put the blank. So obviously it was young adult for the first one, but here we are. It's differing stages of marriage. Because when, when I think about this room here, this is just to be honest, many marriages... Um, tragically at times have experienced years of neglect or abuse and it takes a lot to to recover from that many have experienced divorce and now this is the second and sometimes even plus marriage um, others have children uh, from both spouses or both spouses have children and they're dealing with the challenges that are often related to that the interaction with the previous spouse the sometimes child support or differing parental styles when, when you marry a little bit later. So again, I'm just moving farther away from, okay, it seems a little bit easier if we could start with this young couple that's, you know, just you have an opportunity to invest the word into their heart and life and they can learn a pattern and then learn certain expectations early into even prior to, to, uh, to getting married. But that's not how everybody's coming together in our culture today. And we just have to say that right or wrong, that's just the reality of what we, we you know, of, of where we live. I mean, rebellious children at times puts a lot of pressure. You know, financial challenges put a lot of pressure on homes. And that all just puts increased pressure and stress on the marriages. Right? Everybody, I'm preaching to the choir, right? And so, um, so but now, then we're going to go a little farther. Y'all stay with me. Many in this room are endeavoring. I'm just kind of reading for a moment of time, strengthening their marriage at a season of life that they've moved beyond child raising, so you're not dealing with some of this. Or sometimes, I know as I pastor people for a long period of time, sometimes people get a little bit more uh, financial stability in their life, which is a good thing. Amen? Amen. Yeah, it's a good thing, right? And so, and there are others that have been married for many years, and, uh, and it's a new marriage that's a little bit, or it's a new marriage that's a little bit later in life. And then there are those that it's their firm belief they already have what could be considered a strong marriage, but they're just desiring to strengthen their already what could be considered a strong marriage, make it stronger, right, which is a good thing. So the, the point I'm making is, is that we have such a wide swath of people again. You have to search your heart and mind. You have to make these principles true to you. You have to make those applicable to your, your, your situation in life. Now, the thing that I want to establish as we just go further is that each week, some of the things that we're addressing here are just core 
principles related to marriage. There are far more than just eight that affect marriage, right? Now, but I want you to think about this. I want you to think that even if you were going and begin to work out, and if you were hoping to have a body like Pastor Brown or something like that, and so you were, and you say, I'm going to start working out. You know, sometimes just six to eight core exercises can make a lasting impact, right? I mean, studies show us that if you'll just do 100 push-ups a day for 30 days, just a push-up, just one exercise, that you'll strengthen your core and you'll uh, strengthen your overall physique. Why am I saying that to you? I'm just simply saying we can't cover every topic related to marriage. Well, we got just a few chosen things that the authors put in front of us that it's our responsibility to dig these truths out of the Scriptures and prayerfully believe that they're going to strengthen our marriage. Now, strengthen our marriage does not mean that it's going to make everything entirely new. It's not going to be like you just woke up in the garden for the very first time. Remember how I ended the lesson last week? Woe man, woe man, right? And so with that, it, but as we strengthen this marriage, it does not mean that it's just going to be just like every part of it is going to be brand new. Rather, whatever season of life you are in, you are fortifying, invigorating, strengthening your faith, and in so doing can renew your marriage. But you have to have some, some real goals. And so I've got to hear our goals or perspective must be real. You got to have a real perspective because it, just because you attend this class seminar with me or the other teachers does not mean that <laughs> in the morning when you come out, ladies, it doesn't mean that your husband has simply and quickly been transferred. First picture, if I can. Doesn't mean that guy right there is going to be at your kitchen table in the morning, just so that you know that. Just, I'm trying to establish this. I'm trying to bring our expectations to a reality. Your husband can grow and become the man God's called him to be, but he may never be Captain America. Right? Probably not. Actually, to be honest, in looks, there was a time when I looked a lot like Captain America before he took the serum. And guys, I'm nervous about this one. Just real quickly, go ahead. It doesn't necessarily mean that Wonder Woman is going to be sitting at the kitchen table tomorrow as well. Right now, why am I saying all that to you? Let's get all that off because I'm going to be in trouble. I have a lot greater chance of, of Sherry looking like Wonder Woman than me looking like Captain America. Amen. So <laughs> that's way too strong of an amen right there. <laughs> Why am I saying all that? We have to have faith-based lens that give us proper perspective of our objectives here tonight. Because if we put unrealistic expectations on our spouse, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment, right? Because we have, we have, we have a hope that they're going to be something that they're not. And so we have to draw back. And I'm not saying it's all based upon uh, you know, certain looks or anything of that. I'm just simply saying there are God-based expectations. That's what we're in pursuit of, right? Here's what I hope for your marriage. And I often use the term garden, going back to Genesis, to describe marriage. We want our garden to glorify the Lord. 
I want you to think about that. When God put Adam and Eve and he gave them responsibilities and he brought them together and he spoke blessing over them and he, uh, he, he, he gave them instruction and they began to till the garden and to keep the garden. Listen, I, here's the way in mine and Sherry's marriage and our garden. I don't want to hide when the Lord comes to visit us. I don't want to feel shame or feel like uh, guilt or like we've done things or we've been something that we shouldn't have been. I would rather that we are walking in obedience to God. We're tilling and keeping the garden. We're being uh, obedient to his word. And he comes among us and he speaks blessing over us. Right? And that's what I think the, our expectation should be. Now, I've got to make a, a correction here in a moment. I, so we're talking about the responsibility of the wife tonight. So I cannot say that the role of the wife or the responsibility of the wife is more challenging in our culture but, than, than it is of the man. But I will say this, that there are many built-in obstacles that will hinder a wife from being whom God has called her to be. So you can, hopefully you won't get angry at me as I read this out because these are from my heart, these, these thoughts are from my, my thoughts and from my heart. Before we can advance the role of the responsibility of the wife, we have to first reject the modern idea of a feminist. This is me personally. Now, I'm going to make a correction because in the next statement, you read it there with me. I put, feminism is of God, the creator. The word I was searching for but missed is feminine, not necessarily feminism. Because I'm not talking about social, cultural change. I'm talking about marriage. I'm talking about the home and God's ordained design for the marriage, both for the husband and the wife. And so the feminist, to me, speaks of the militant agenda that is often associated with the LGBT community, which seeks to degrade, degrade men in order to elevate women. And so me personally, I don't think we have to go there. All right, I'm just pressing on. And so y'all read it with me a little bit. Let it get into your heart. I hope women's suffrage must be distinguished from a woman's surrender to Christ in her life. Right? It's a great difference in what our pursuit is. In the, so in society, there has been changes that were needed to be made. Ladies, it's okay to say amen. Changes that could stand to still be made. Right? It's okay to say amen. I'm in harmony with all that. But I'm not here to speak to society. I'm speaking to marriage. In the home, I believe there has to be a distinction. Listen, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, remember this. He gave them God-ordained responsibilities. And when he gave them God-directed uh, responsibilities, remember what he said to them, to both of them, when he said he made them male and female. He said these words here. I believe that's Genesis 1 and 26. I'm not for sure. But he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Think about that for a moment of time. At the time that God said that, that God had placed Adam and Eve in the garden, but there was still a world around them. Now, whether or not there was a world system around them, I'm not going to even go there with, with that type of notion. But there was simply a world around them. The will of God was is that the effect of a godly marriage and home would push outward. God said, have dominion. Let my blessing be upon you, and you take it outward. But what's happened in our culture is the world has pushed inward. And the world's design or the world's expectation for marriage or for a woman or for a man has pushed inward into the church. And we've got to reject that. I just believe that. We have to say, you know what? what who does God want me to be? And so it was a lot easier for me last week to come here to this pulpit and stand in front of you uh, and, and, and to teach on the responsibilities of a husband. That could, that could flow out of 37 years of experience. That could flow out of 
40 years plus of, of ministering the gospel, or not, not 40, but close to 40 years of ministering the gospel. That means reading and studying and praying and meditating and searching and looking at life through the lens of a husband and father and all of those things. But now I come today to talk about the responsibilities of a wife. And I can be honest, it is more challenging for me to minister tonight than it was last week because I do believe that we fight against a lot of the cultural influence that's not necessarily, uh, there, a lot of cultural influence is not founded upon the teachings of Scripture. But my responsibility to you is to challenge. So, so again, this, the same statement that I made last week for the, for the men um, and, and for the ladies, I said this. I said, ladies, you need to know what God expects of your husband so that you have the right expectation. You want to you expect what God expects, Correct. I think that should fit here tonight as well. So even as husbands and as men, we want to say, what does God expect of my wife? And certainly, so I, that means all of us, the men and the women, should be having a pliable heart to say, Lord, help me here tonight. Help me in this. So as we begin to move this farther, you're going to see that this author, and many of you probably noted that very, very quickly, he began to draw his, the author of the book, Strengthen Your Marriage, and the responsibilities of the wife. The responsibilities of the wife are great, and they are lengthy. What a terrible amen for such a profound statement. The responsibilities of the wife are great, and they are many. Great as in value, many as in number. Right, ladies, it was a good place for you to say amen. And the men folks should have said the same thing. Now, the author of this study, Wayne Mack, camped on one in particular, and that dictated the entirety of the study, and it's going to dictate where we're at here tonight. So, according to the author, the number one responsibility of a wife in marriage is submission. What does that mean? Are we going to define that according to Scripture? I think so, and if you don't throw a stone at me, we might make sense of this tonight. Oh, Jesus, of that. Sister Sherry, I'm going to be really nice to you tonight. Your car's in the shop. I have a new cowboy truck. I don't know if y'all know that because my truck was dying. And it barely made it. So I have one that's more of a farm truck now. And as of just this week, it's just a few days old. And I don't really trust you to drive it. Because it's a big truck. It is a flatbed. You saw me today. I saw you, Cowboy Chris, I did. And I said, he doesn't recognize Farmer Brown. I said, I did. I, I waved, but you didn't wave. You high-hatted me. And, uh, but with that said, I'm going to take a chance. Go park it right there right now because we may need it tonight. Well, Shane, move, the, move old silver over here and get that door unlocked too. I need two access points here tonight. All right, I'm okay? Stay with us real quickly. What about submission? Yes, but to whom? Come on, somebody. Amen. Submission to the Lord first. Come on, somebody. So read it with me here tonight, and we'll just let it sink down. I believe that the points that are made here are, have impact. Your response to your husband in everything must flow from your genuine faith, your authentic faith, and your love for God through Christ. Come on. And as with the husband, remember last week where I started you out, and I'm still there tonight. This is going to build. This is going to be a little bit more informative in just a little while, but I've got to get the, through the icebreaker for a moment. And as with the husband, you have to be fully committed to personal discipleship. If you are not a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ, 
and you are not sold out to being conformable to his will. Did you hear that? To his will, right? And, and willing to expose the areas of your life that need to be changed, corrected by his divine grace and favor and his work in your heart and life, then the principles that we're going to talk about tonight are not going to be effective in your life because it all starts with our heart before the Lord, doesn't it? Whether male or female, it starts with just saying, God, I am sold out completely and entirely to you through Christ. Because as a, as a, as a wife, there's going to be a lot of bendings, is the way I word it, of your will. There's going to be a lot of things in your lifetime that you're going to have to bend towards uh, his personal will in your life, uh, personal sacrifices that you're going to make, compromises that you're going to have to make in marriage. And if you're not fully surrendered and submitted to Christ, you're not going to be able to do what he desires you to do, right? And so you have got, and I will commend the author. The author directs both men and women to a place of repentance, of confessing our fault and our sin before the Lord, and being willing to acknowledge, even if there have been personal areas that we may have stumbled in in the past, that we confess that towards Christ, towards God in Christ, and believe God for him to empower us to begin to advance. So that's the foundation. Submission is first submission to God. And we're going to see in a moment of time that submission extends far beyond just a, a wife to a husband in marriage, but we're going to see that there's a broader application of it. So, but he does, the author does focus the entirety of this chapter on a wife's submission to her husband as her primary spiritual responsibility in marriage. And you might ask, why is this? I'm going to tell you why the author, Wayne Mack, camped right there. It's because the biblical writers especially the New Testament epistles, men that walked with Jesus wrote these words and exhorted men to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The same pen that penned those words penned and wives submit yourself to your husband. So it can't be one without the other, right? We can't say, oh, I'm for being loved as Christ loved the church in this selfless agape love that I hope to receive without receiving the doctrine of application to my life as a, as a lady, I'm speaking as a wife here for a moment of time, and saying that God called me to sub, be submissive in marriage. Now, what that is, we'll talk about here in just a little while. But I just want to get this principle in your heart. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and 22, Colossians 3 and 18, 1 Peter 3 and 1, using this exact phrase. Let me tell you what the world will do. And let me tell you what I believe demonic spirits will do. Demonic spirits will say, you know what, but the authors of Scripture were sexist. And they'll begin to, you'll begin to break. Well, if, you, if that gets inside you, then you will wrestle and tear away every principle of faith in the Word of God. Right? If that gets in your mind and you start questioning, and, and our job is to read the Word, meditate on the Word, pray over the Word, and believe God to conform us to the image of Christ. That's, that's, that's the role. That's God's expectation for us. Now, the reality is, is that the wife is certainly not alone. We're all called to be submitted in various applications, aren't we? Right? Ephesians 5 and 21 says, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. We're going to talk about that briefly in a moment. In the kingdom, I believe we have all been called. We have purpose. Shane, I don't know if he knew it, but that was just a prophetic moment while ago praying over this meeting. That if you just live your life, if you enter into marriage, and if you see yourself saying, I am called in this moment, then everything becomes a little bit easier. 
right? To, it becomes a little bit easier when you know that God gave a distinct call in your life as a wife or as a husband, and so therefore you are responding to his call. If you are dealing with these issues in your life and you're becoming conformable to them, then I'm telling you that's the Spirit of God working in you. In the marriage, as men are called to love and to lead, then women are called to love by submitting to their husband. But let's say, Pastor, what is that? Well, let's define what submit is first. In the Greek, it's actually translated, the word translated submit is hupatasso. That's actually close. I've listened to it multiple times today, hupatasso. That's the actual pronunciation of it. It's just actually spelled a little bit different. It's actually spelled with a Y instead of an O. Spelled like hapatasso, but it's hupatasso. That doesn't help you at all, does it? No, the ladies are like, all I got tonight was hupatasso, which is ridiculous. I want my money back. <laughs> and it means, so listen to this, though. It helps you. Let me just tell you, in, 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 as, a, as a personal, as someone that is a disciple and is soft the word, it helps you in your, in your processing things. If God said submit, I want to know what submit is. Do you understand that? So, so when you take and you define it according to Scripture and you look at it, that will help you. It means to subordinate. It means to put under or to be subject to, to obey. To put in, that's a word we don't like to talk about, but that's a little different context. But that's actually what the word means. I'm not saying it's always applicable in every situation here, but it can be used for that. Outlining the biblical use of the word is to arrange under, to subordinate, subject, or subject oneself voluntarily. To submit to one's control and to yield to one's admonition or advice. So this particular word in the Greek, and I knew this before I ever went into it, is that it's a military term. And for all of us that are in the military, we can understand this and we can relate to this because we have, we have voluntarily surrendered to the service of the United States military. And everyone like myself, it's a veteran under the sound of my voice, when we raised our hand, we were willing to be submitted to a rank and responsibility that we were going to learn to function within, right? And so, it's a, so, so that's the very word that we see here that Paul uses in the context of marriage. So in a non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, or assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. So now with that, though, so as I said previously, wives aren't the only persons that are called to submit. In the New Testament, that particular word, hubatasso, is actually translated 40 times and used in 32 verses in the King James Version of the Bible. And so with this, here's a sampling of those who are called to voluntarily submit. How many of you know that children are called to be submissive to their parents, right? Jesus was subject to his parents, and that did not take away his value. The author made that point in the lesson, and I hope that every person as they were reading that was seeing this, that did not take away from the triune nature of God that resided in him when he went back to Nazareth with his mother and father and willfully submitted unto them. The devils are subject to the name of Jesus, praise the Lord. Angels and authorities are subject to Christ. All of us are submitted to a certain degree, and I want to be careful of this, to God-ordained government. Obviously, we, rebut, we have rebuttal when we think the government is extending too far. Don't tread on me kind of people, aren't we? Most of us are. But at the same time, we value and respect government. We value and we respect government, and we willfully submit to a structure of government for the good of people. Correct? 
We're exhorted by the Word of God. Romans 13 tells us to submit to those that are in authority. So, we, so, we're, so we're just building a, a little bit of a basis. The church is submitted to Christ. The church is also submitted to those who have the rule over you. Every one of you that are a part of this assembly, you have willfully to a certain degree. None of us try to lord over you. We're not supposed. Those of us that are in ordained ministry like myself or that sit in the seat of a pastor that is a shepherd in this, ministry, in this church, I have some measure of leadership over you or rulership is a King James English word that helps us, but it's not to lord over you in any capacity or devalue in any way, but you have, will, you have willfully submitted in one sense, to the call or the, the office of a pastor. We are, as previously mentioned, submitted to one another, right? And the younger are to be submitted to the elders. Come on, somebody, amen. And in like manner, wives are submitted to husbands. So the reason why I went through this whole dialogue to establish this is I don't want the wives to say, well, it's only the wives that we target with submission. Because that's not true. The scriptures speak to all of us in a particular area of our life that needs to be that needs to be ultimately submitted to God, right? So if we can all open our heart, especially the ladies. So I got four points that I'm going to drop in your heart here, ladies, that I want to ask you to help me as I extend the lesson. The one thing I'm not going to be able to talk to you about is the how, how to do these things. That's where God has to work in your heart and life. You have to pray and meditate and say, Lord, help me. What, what, what do I do? If my husband is praying and he's seeking the Lord and he's saying, God, how can I show my wife the love of Christ? How can I, be, um, the, 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 how can I show her that I, I, I love her by servant leadership? Then the wife should be saying, God, how? How can I show that I have a submissive spirit and, and, and the person that you have called me to be? That's something, ma'am, you're going to have to do on your own and you're going to pray and if you need counsel, then I would encourage you to seek counsel from ladies that have been in the kingdom for a long time. Come on. That have worked out some of these things. But you say, why? So I'm going to talk tonight about the why and the what. So why is this? Why, why are we talking about wives being submitted to husband? It's for this reason right here. Because in marriage, these two things are needed for a healthy marriage. And that is unity and agreement. Let it settle in your heart real quickly. Equality in marriage is not our goal. Hmm. Sure, you better go fire that vehicle up because there was a lot of shouting me down last week. Not, not as good so far tonight. We'll just keep going. Equality is not our goal, but unity, complementary agreement. Look at the simple analogy that I put here in front of you. If a recipe calls for two thirds flour and one third sugar, it is not equal, right, in ingredients, right, or in proportion. But it is complementary or it is in agreement with the intended outcome of the dish. And that's what we want. We want to know what does God want our marriage to look like, right? And, and so what, what's going to bring the most uh, pleasure to God as in our life and in our marriage? And so equal, certainly all ladies need to have an understanding deeply embedded in their heart and mind that we are all equal in value to God. We know, and you've heard me as a pastor, I speak on that often, I talk about it, it's equal in value, but it's not equal in responsibility at times, and it's not, our, our, our callings are differ, they differ one from the other. So for a wife to find true biblical position of submission to her husband, she must pursue God's objective. God, can I say it again? God's objective. 
equality in your marriage, I personally don't believe that that's what your pursuit should be. It is submitted to the will of God so that we can have unity and agreement in marriage. Because if agreement is missing in marriage, your marriage will lack what I'm going to talk to you about here next. Number two, very quickly, here's a word. It's authority. I'll just throw that up on the screen. It's authority. Authority is a spiritual power. And authority will affect the anointing. And I'm, I'm going to get there. with, and, and I think if ladies, I'm special. I'm going to have to just get over being nervous about talking to the ladies. Let me pause real quick. Father, I want to ask for your help right now. Because I have been, I've been reluctant. I've been hesitant. As if I, I felt like I might was going to offend somebody or hurt somebody. I would hurt them if I didn't teach them the truth. I would do them a far greater do far greater damage than if I, if Father, I'm called to love them to the degree that I will tell them the truth. So, God, I pray for that spirit of God and that anointing that's upon my life, God, to speak this word with deep-seated conviction. So, in Jesus' name, God, I receive it in my heart and life right now. So, number one, I want to say this. I want to go back to that. Number one, just very, very quickly. Ladies, I want to just challenge you. And so, your objective in marriage is not equality. It should be unity and agreement. You want to come together in agreement with your husband. That should be your objective. So in authority, though, your authority is a spiritual power. It's a spiritual power. God has put authoritative realms in the earth. It speaks of rank and responsibility. Its origin is divine. Right? I mean, God is the one. There is a hierarchy in God's kingdom. Right? There's an authoritative rank in the kingdom of God. Throughout Scripture, God has revealed this divine authority, first in creation, then in the kingdom of Israel, and now in the kingdom of God. And so authority is the means that God allows his anointing to flow. God anoints the head, right? And from there, the anointing flows. So go back to the kingdom years. If the king was fully submitted to God, there would be an anointing upon his life. And then if his subjects were submitted to the king, then the anointing and the blessing and the favor that was upon the king would go to the subjects or to the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Amen. And you see that because the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice because there's favor and there's blessing. Right? But when the wicked rule, right, the people groan. And we could almost bring that into marriage a little bit. So if, if there is an anointing upon the head, then the body can be anointed. And that's what we see in Psalm 133. Psalm 133 speaks about how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's what happens when husbands and wives come together in unity. And that analogy there was of Aaron, the priest. And it says this in that passage. You read it on your own later. But it says that it's like the precious ointment or anointing that was was poured upon the head of Aaron and it flowed down upon his shoulders and all the way, King James English, to the skirts of his garment. It's a picture of Christ in the church first, but it can also be a picture of a husband and wife in marriage because the Bible plainly says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 that the husband is the head of the wife. And so if the husband has an anointing upon his life, come on somebody, then there is a fragrant anointing that can be released upon his wife and his family, his children, even the little rugrats running around that's clinging to the skirts of the garment. They can have an anointing upon their life. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you've ever heard Alyssa speak. Come on now, there's an anointing there, right? That anointing flow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If there's a head that's anointed, that it can flow downward. 
right? And so I wanted you, I want you to see is that it can affect the anointing of God when we do not come together in agreement. If a wife is submitted to her husband in the Lord, then the anointing will flow. I believe that. The divine favor and fragrance of Christ can be upon them and upon her and her life. Listen to these last two statements, though. Continual neglect by the husband to be the head will hinder the anointing. But let's add to it. Continual usurping of the man's authority will hinder the anointing. Are you hearing me tonight? So it behooves us. See, I, I don't know about y'all. I just got to take, all I can do is live this through my own experiences. I just want, I just want to go back to, for a moment of time, to that Genesis 2 moment. When, when, when everything became very good. When, when everything became, this isn't in the notes, this is impromptu, this is just my heart. So when I was a young man in marriage and and I told you last week at the end of the message that I, that I did get married on May the 23rd, 1986, having graduated at 7 p.m. at Wilburn University. And then within about two hours later, I was standing at the Prevailing Word Christian Center with Sister Sharita standing in front of me. And we entered into a covenant marriage of faith on the same night. So I've been married since I was 17 years of age, and I'm 55, so we're on 37th year of marriage. And I was active in ministry at that time and was wrestling. I was learning and growing, obviously. I'm, I'm, all 17-year-olds need to be learning and growing, correct? And I'm learning and growing. I don't know a lot, but what I do. And there, but, but the one thing I was in pursuit of, I was in pursuit of the anointing. I just knew I wanted the anointing of God upon my life because I knew if I had the anointing of God, I could do whatever he called me to do and be whoever he called me to be. And the anointing is not just empowerment in one sense, but it's also favor. It's grace. It's just the fragrance of Christ. Where I, if I'm anointed, then I'm not walking around with that with a with a spirit that puts off, you know, uh, just a you know where I'm twisted and contoured, and I'm just I'm, I, I'm critical, and I'm uh, people don't I'm, I'm negative, and nobody wants to be around me. But if I have the anointing of God upon my life, come on, somebody. And so as we Sherry and I established our family and our home, and then and our marriage, and I wanted it to be like the garden. I want it to be like the garden. I want to have blessing and favor. I learned in that early days about tilling the garden and keeping the garden and working together and that God would add his blessing and it's very good. It goes from good to very good, good to very good. I could have dominion. I could have authority. Are you, are you hearing me tonight? It could, be, it could be fruitful and it could be bountiful and I just want it and that's what I want marriages to and that's what I want you to have. But if husbands and wives have a constant contention one with the other and they don't come together in unity, then they won't have the anointing. And so I'm, I'm hoping to speak to you tonight because I want you to have the anointing in your life. Number three, very quickly tonight, a little bit of the why or the what. Submission is an act of faith. Submission to your husband is complete abandonment of your carnal nature and is entirely an act of faith. Do you agree with that? It's a total act of faith. Do you see this as your reasonable service? What does that mean? Romans 12, 2 says that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. That is our reasonable service. Ma'am, do you see that as a part of your call of God upon your life? 
I want you to get up every day the same as I do a husband. I want the husband to get up and feel like he is called to serve and to love and to lead. And I want you to get up and say, I am called to be this man's wife. I am called to be who God has called me to be and to, and to conform my will to the will of God, even when it's painful to me. Even when it goes against certain things and principles that it maybe were taught to me as a younger person, I'm, I want to be bendable to the will of God. So as unto the Lord, that was, the scripture uses that phrase, submit unto the husband as unto the Lord. That implies that it is your growth in discipleship that's going to directly affect your ability to submit to your husband in marriage. It is for the sake of authority and for the sake of anointing that you must submit. Your dedication is to Christ. You were created for this service unto the Lord. Come on, somebody. You were created. Do you live that way, ma'am? I'm challenging you tonight. You were created for this service to the Lord. It calls for you to die to yourself. It calls for you to mortify your selfish ambition. It calls for you, listen, to honor principles even when it's difficult at times to honor the person. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to say that one more time because I know, I know there are times that the spouse does not deserve, the husband may not deserve that moment of submission in whatever thing that we might be dealing with, but there is a part in our principles of, or in our faith where we honor principles even when it's difficult to honor the person. It's a total act of faith. I'm committing to these principles because it is unto the Lord. Sometimes you have to see through the individual unto the Lord. Right? You have to see beyond. Number four tonight. I told Sherry it wouldn't be as long tonight, and all the people said amen. The wife is our husband's helpmeet, not helpmate. Why would I say that, and why is it? Because what does that imply? We often have this mindset, help mate, help mate, soulmates, what it's become. The careful reading of Scripture in Genesis chapter number 2, the Lord said, I will make a help meet, King James English, help meet, which means suitable for the man. I will make a helper that is suitable and compatible with and for the man, not equal to as in comparison but complementary, completing, and listen to this, not competing. I'm telling you, this cultural wave that we've seen in America in the last 30 years has elevated this competition between men and women, and it's bled over into the home, right? And that's not the will of God. God's will is a complementary completion to the man not a competition for the man first corinthians 11 and 7 read it with me the woman is the glory of the man for the man is not of the woman he's going back to the genesis but the woman of the man neither was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man so a constant competing where equality in marriage is going to create a cycle of defeat. God designed a complementary connection, a helper that's suitable for the man. So, ma'am, so I'm going to preach to Sherry tonight. I'm going to preach to her real quick. I told her I wouldn't be our pastor, but I'm going to slide over here tonight. As the wife, 
you must determine to help me. Come on, somebody. If y'all won't receive it for anybody, pray it for Sherry right now. And to, to love me. I need your strength. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to respect me. I didn't even put my fam- the famous verse that I really believe sets the basis for two things between the difference in a husband and woman, or a husband and wife, and that is typically, as Dr. Bradshaw mentioned, a, a wife desires to be loved, which is right and should and deserves every measure of that love, but men typically want to be respected. Are you hearing me tonight? The reality is, Sister Sherry, I may act like your child every now and then. <laughs> and I may call you out in the yard like, Mom, come watch me. And they, 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 you know why they're smirking? They're smirking because they all do it too. They all do it too. They just don't want to admit it. But I'm, I got them, I'm admitting it. I'll call Sherry out like I'm seven years old calling my mom out to, to watch me. Right? And, and, so, and so I know that sometimes every one of these things, they're acts of faith by your part. And I need your support. God designed you to be suitable, compatible, to help me in marriage and in life. I can't do it without you. Come on, somebody. I can't do it without you. I need you to pray for me. Because the world is trying to. The, the world is trying to take away all my manhood from me. Are you hearing me tonight? Um, I try to use other words, but sometimes I butcher them, so I don't want to. So I'll leave that alone. So I need you to pray for me because I want to be who God has called me to be. And it's not easy because we all, I feel the pressure of it at times. I feel the pressure. And so I, I hope and pray that you'll help me achieve our God-given responsibility of keeping the garden. That's, that's what I hope and pray that you'll do for me, right? Because you're, you're suitable, right? You're compa- I believe you can do it. You're closer to Wonder Woman than I am Captain America. <laughs> Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Ladies, that was just from my heart to yours. You may want me to be your pastor after this. I don't know, but it's just from my heart to yours. These four points are the things that when I prayed, if you want to know when these thoughts came to me, they came to me at 5.30 a.m. on Monday morning when I got up early because this was on my mind, and I went in and I sat down immediately and said, God, I want to prepare this lesson. This is going to be the most challenging lesson that I'll do because I honestly believe that it's more than just the ladies in this room. It's the culture and the influence that we have seen, again, that has a tendency to degrade men in order to lift women, and I don't think it has to be either or. I think we can simply, I, I believe that I can, I can, as a man, I can lift my wife. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and she, can, she can study this word out for herself, and she can hide this in her heart. And, and it's, it's God's calling upon her life in marriage. And if she does her part, and I'm doing my part, then we get the anointing of God upon our lives. We have the anointing of God. I'm telling you, when you've got the anointing on your life, I'm telling you, there is no mountain that you cannot climb. There's no wall that you can't scale. Come on, somebody. I'm t- it doesn't matter the obstacles in life that you may face as a husband and wife. If you've got the anointing, David said, by my God, I'll run through a troop, and by my God, I'll leap up over a wall, 
right? That's the same young man that had the courage to face the giant because he had the anointing. And husbands and wives can have the anointing on their life. But if we are not, if a wife is not being submitted to God and being submitted to her husband in the right and proper context, the book went into the areas about addressing things that if a husband is asking you to do things that, you, that uh, are immoral or uh, illegal and things of that nature, obviously, obviously we're not talking about that. We're talking about just the, the obvious uh, expectation of Scripture. Just the things that are written that's clearly to discern. Lastly tonight, 1 Peter 3. Let's go to the Word of God. It says, a word to the wise woman. Is that you, ma'am? <laughs> Nobody is, everybody's afraid to say anything here tonight. 1 Peter 3. Let's read this together, two verses at a time until we come to the eighth verse. Now, as you know, I'm reading from the authorized version of the Bible. It may read differently from yours. Likewise, ye wives, plural, ye is plural, wives. Read it, we read it with me. So it's talking to all the ladies, isn't it, that are married. They're married. Now, who, who wrote this? Who wrote this? What's, what's this book? First Peter, correct? Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the same Peter that was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is the same Peter that walked across the water until he was distracted and he began to sink in the waves. This is the same apostle that ran uh, with the apostle John to the sepulcher on the morning of the resurrection and looked in and saw that the body of Jesus right, was not present. Come on, somebody. That's the same Peter. Would you say this is an apostle of faith? This is the very man that preached on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit of God came upon him. This is the very man that went into the temple by the gate, which was called Beautiful, and there was a man that was lame there from birth, right, that said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength, and he went into the temple leaping and praising God. This is the same man. And he writes, wives be in subjection to your own husbands. So what I'm saying is this is an apostolic authority speaking to the female side of marriage in this context. Read it with me. That if any, now, here's something, though. It says, be subject to your own husband. But what if you're married to a knucklehead? That's the Lee Brown translation right there. And he's not obeying the word. What are you going to do? That you Can you influence him? Is there a way and a means that you can make a difference in his life? Look what the Apostle Peter said. So this is just a word for the ladies tonight, just to drop, drop this in your spirit here tonight. And this might be a little bit of the how right here. Without the word, you can influence your husband. Conversation is not verbiage in King James English. It means lifestyle. Okay, so separate that thought. So without speaking anything at all to him, you can still influence him if he's not obeying the word of God, right? How? What, 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 look at verse 2. Let's read it together. Because he's going to see your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So here, let's go back to the analogy. So we have the analogy of the anointing upon the head. And so the wife... If the husband in the marriage is doing who, and being who God's called him to be, the anointing's upon his head, and it flows to his wife and to his children, and it's just a flow. That's the way. There's a flow of the anointing. But what if he's a knucklehead, and his head is not under the anointing? If you're not usurping his authority, then the anointing is upon your life. 
And that anointing that's upon your life, even without him, then becomes conviction to him. Look at that. Are y'all hearing me tonight? This is the word of the Lord. And it beholds, he then beholds your chaste, your holy lifestyle coupled with fear. And that becomes conviction to his heart and life. You're still holding to the principles that are exhorted in the word of God. And yet God is speaking to that man every day because you are walking in holiness and righteousness before the Lord. Number three, verses three and four. Let's go a little bit farther. Who's adorning then? Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair, of the wearing of gold, or of the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man or person of the heart in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So let's think about this for a moment. Your true identity, ma'am, lies within you, right? It lies within you. Outward beauty is the thing that most women desire the most, I mean, one of the most, what's the, what's the right word for me to say this? One of the most, um, hmm, I probably can't get it right, but one of the largest businesses in the, in the world is cosmetics and women's apparel, right? And I'm not saying that's all, we all, we all, we all want you looking good. Come on, somebody, but that's still not the real you. Right, when, when, when all this is not right, and this is not right, and this is not right, and this is not right, God sees, we, we, all, we like to talk about God who see, when, he, when he saw David's sons, and he said, don't look upon them of their stature because man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. That's applicable for the ladies too. Come on, somebody. And so here, the apostle Peter says, the inward person is the real you, Right? That's your heart. That's your mind. That's your soul. That's your passions. That's your emotions. That's your compassions. It's a meek and a quiet spirit. It means a gentle, humble, submitted, peaceable person. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that you don't speak the things that you need to speak, obviously. But it's just how you handle yourself in the home. This is what God says. In God's eyes, these are the attributes that he desires. Look what he said, in the sight of God of great price. It's probably not a good time to take up an offering, so I'll move on. Verses 5 and 6, who is your example then? This will challenge every woman under the sound of my voice. We're going to read it here tonight. After this manner in the holy time, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection, he said it twice now, to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him a Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well, and you are not afraid with any amazement. Obviously, there's a cultural context to that. Because if Rebecca calls Chris Lord Chris, it's going to throw me off. I'm just going to be honest. It's, gonna, it's, gonna throw, it's just going to throw me off. I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with that. Obviously, there's a cultural context, but there's a principle that's alive beneath it. Come on. Look what he's saying here. Well, let's read it very closely. He's using a strong analogy to place the principle in the heart of his listening audience. And he said, look to Sarah. She was even obeying Abraham. She even called him Lord. What does that mean in our generation? Obviously, we don't, nobody is going around calling their husband Lord. 
<laughs> Someone said that's too bad. But nonetheless, the point is, though, the point is the principle. The principle goes back to respect, right? It goes back to King James would use this word. Ephesians 5 and 33 says reverence her husband, respect her husband, value her husband. That's the principle that's being taught. But what I love, I love this. Look, catch that one phrase right there. I'm looking that way. It said, whose daughters you are. Ma'am, I want you to be numbered with the daughters of Sarah and Abraham, which means people of covenant faith, right? Here's what you don't want to be. You don't want to be numbered with Jezebel. Now, wait a minute. Jezebel, wait a minute. What are you talking about, Pastor? Are you talking about because she had a certain look? No. No. No, and not even because she was a bell worshiper. No. But because she ridiculed and belittled and usurped her husband. You don't want to be numbered with that. You want to be numbered with the daughters of Abraham, the daughter of Sarah, Sarah, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well. Man, I'm preaching better than you are shouting. That's all right. Verse number seven, husbands, you got to do your part. Right? Now, we, we, I've went an hour and six minutes on the men. I'm going to get you out of here earlier than that tonight. So that, we, we covered a lot of this. But it said, dwell together with them according to knowledge. You are heirs together. And look at this. This is what I'm wanting you to see as I'm closing here tonight. If we're not doing our part, your prayers are going to be hindered. We can pour oil over you. You come to the front husbands and wives, and we can pour oil on you all day long and pray for your petition. But if the man is walking out of here and he is not loving his wife as Christ loved the church, and if the wife is not finding what is the rightful as is fit to the Lord of submission in our marriage, then I don't care how much oil you're going to have on you. We'll have, you'll have oil on you, but you won't have the anointing, right? And so what I'm praying for is brokenness before God, submissive to the will of God, do your part. Look what happened. The prayers will not be hindered. Let's read this last passage, 8 through 12. You say, well, he's off, of, he's off of husbands and wives. Yes, he is, but let's read it as if he's speaking to both husband and wife in closing. Finally, be of one mind. What are we needing in marriage? Agreement, right? Are y'all hearing me tonight? Let's read that together. Remember when I told you about this study? I told you this study wasn't about philosophy. It was about Scripture. It was about hiding the Word in your heart and then bending your will to the will of the Father. Correct? So look what he says here. Finally, be of one mind towards each other. Have compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Pitiful being merciful to one another. Be courteous to one another. How many know that can go a long way in marriage? Just being courteous, just being kind. We will be far kinder to strangers in the South sometimes out at a restaurant than we will to our spouses in the car when we get home. Right? And he's, he's challenging us right here. He's saying be, be courteous one to another. Don't render evil for evil in marriage or railing for railing. Don't, just because he said something don't mean you have to say something. And just because she said something don't mean that you have to say something, right? you got to break that cycle here. He said, but rather blessing, knowing that you are called. Because if you're walking in this blessing, you're going to inherit a blessing, right? Isn't that what, if husbands and wives are in agreement, what will God do when he comes down to visit your garden? He's going to bless the garden. 
He's going to speak life over your garden. But if you're railing one upon the other and we're not loving one another, we're not loving each other, he doesn't speak blessing over us. He that will love life and see good days, he that will love marriage and, and see good days in his marriage, he or she that will see good days in his marriage, what should they do? Refrain their tongue from evil and your lips if they speak no guile. Come on. Eschew evil, reject evil, and do good. Seek peace. Pursue peace. And look what happens and what can happen to the, your marriage when the wife we're closing, this is kind of a summary of bringing together two things, the responsibility of the husband last week, the responsibility of the wife this week. There are far more responsibilities than a husband than just simply to lead and to love, but we focused on those two because that's what the book focused on. There are a thousand more responsibilities for a wife than just simply submissive to her husband, but it's a critical part of the journey. So we've had to talk about it tonight. But if the man is being submitted to God, and is loving his wife, agape, selfless love. And if the wife is being submitted unto her husband, look what God said. He said, "That's when you get ready to pray, if two of you shall agree. Come on, somebody. If two of you shall agree. Sister Sherry and I practice this. We come down the mountain and we start praying for the service, and I reach a hand over there, and I take it because I say, God, we're going to come together in agreement. This is our words. God, we're going to come together in agreement that you're going to bless the service. You're going to bless the meeting. It's going to have the favor and the flavor of Christ on it. We're going to have the fragrant anointing of the living Christ in our midst because we unite our hearts together in agreement. So a long time ago, we chose not to compete with one another. We chose to complement one another so that we could come together in the power of agreement. And if we come together in the power of agreement, I got a promise from the Word of God that God said, my face is open to that kind of prayer, and my ear is open to you calling upon the name of the Lord, and I'll release blessing on your family. Come on, somebody. That's a good word for you today. Today is the close. You read the last paragraph with me. Primarily, it's the what and the why. I wish I could go into the how. But that's the things that you've got to pray about and talk about and think about. There are many unique responsibilities for the wife in marriage. The author was attempting to correct the cultural misunderstanding related to submission in marriage. For whatever reason, we've taken it and we've made it an evil thing when it's not an evil thing in the eyes of God. Come on, somebody. Daughters of Abraham, is that you? Daughters of Abraham, may you find God's greatest blessing upon you as you humbly submit yourself unto God and to your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And then that favor of God can be upon that marriage. Amen? Let's pray tonight. Let's see what time it is. Let's pray. Eight o'clock. Come on, let's pray. Church family, this is real. It's not all shouting. It's not all wax on, wax off. Sometimes the analogies fail. Sometimes it's just the nuggets of the word. Sometimes it's addressing the word. Are y'all praying with me right now? I'm speaking out loud as I pray. Sometimes it's just about, you know, I told the men last week they better get in a pattern of prayer. You know, that applies to the ladies as well. Ma'am, you've you got, you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You don't let the world define you. Let the Word define you. Let me say it one more time. I feel the anointing on that. Don't let the world define who you are. Let the Word of God burning in your spirit define you 
in the eyes of God and in the eyes of your family. Be a daughter of Abraham. Choose to be different. Choose to walk in the favor of God and in the anointing of God. Be the person God's called you to be. You can. You were called to be this. You were called in marriage to be a help meet, a helper suitable for your husband. You bring a complementary completion to the call of God that's upon his life. He can't fully be who he's been called to be without you and the gift of God that's inside of you. Value who you are. Value your giftings. Value your callings. Live it out in a humble life before the Lord. God, I bless the ladies under the sound of my voice. I bless everyone from the youngest young lady among us to the senior saint among us tonight. I pray, Lord, tonight that these principles of faith, God, will not just be on the pages of this book or in the pages of Scripture, but they'll be written on the tablet of their heart. Daughters of Abraham, the Lord is calling. The Spirit of God. God, I pray for you to bring unity to marriages. I pray for husbands and wives to stop competing one with the other and to just simply be complementary, striving for unity in marriage, for agreement. Come on, somebody. You feel that? I'm asking you to agree with that prayer right there. I don't care who you are. I'm just asking you to agree with that prayer. Striving for unity in marriage. God, I pray that husbands and wives can come together in unity, one with the other. And Lord, your blessing can be upon their marriage. You can look upon their garden and you can bless them as you come and visit God and speak life over them, Lord. So I do the same. I bless them. God, I bless these marriages under the sound of my voice. I bless them to conformity to the will of God. Let a marriages, God, be who you have called us to be. Thank you for your presence tonight, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's children said amen and amen. Listen, as you're dismissed, let me remind you very quickly. If you didn't sign, did everybody sign about the meal? Did I make it back around? Where's it at? It got, did it get stopped? Who's got the, the clipboard? Randy, you got it? If you didn't sign it, make sure you sign it. The meal, February the 14th. It's going to be a catered event. It's going to be a great night. We're going to add a little bit of entertainment value to it. I think I'm going to sing. And um, there will be door prizes. There will be a number of things. We're going to make it a great night. We'll have a little bit of a devotion to it as well to just make it a very special night. The whole length of the night will be about an hour and a half, including the meal. It's going to be a great night. Make sure that you sign up for it. And the last thing, if you have missed any of these lessons, Dr. Brassfield put together a lesson. I've put together two. I have additional copies. I have copies of Dr. Brassfield's lesson as well. If you didn't get one, I'll get it for you. All right? Love one another. Thank you so much for being here.